used to come preach at our home church years ago before I was a preacher and uh, just enjoyed him so much down to earth and didn't have a problem understanding what he said. And uh, later I surrendered to preach uh, and he came and did a revival or two for me uh, when I pastored in seminary. And um, anyway, this I know this is not his pulpit, but be able to stand where he stood and I know the place has been remodeled. I'm not kidding you. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just awesome for me. It's almost like a, if you've never been to you hear my son talk about Disney World, it's like you've never been. It's almost like that for me. So anyway, um, Brother George, uh, later, uh, we became good friends and former pastor here. And he preached, uh, I know, a couple of revivals for us, once when I was in seminary and then at, uh, at Sherith Baptist Church there where the camp is and uh, just loved him and and, uh, and his family, and uh, then Brother Miller uh, got to meet him as he came to the camp. Uh, he never preached for us, but got to sit down and chat with him when he first came here to Central. And then your present pastor, uh, know him probably better than any, any of them. And uh, anyway, we appreciate how the Lord uh, has used Jeremiah. We, uh, it took me for years to know that there was something special about him. I just knew he was like his mom, you know. And a uh, very, very uh, sweet lady, a very sweet young man. But uh, anyway, had no idea that, that God would use him like he has. And so let that be a lesson to everybody. You know, God's got a plan for everybody. And, uh, uh, you know, like, we won't be like Paul. We want to apprehend that for which we were apprehended for. Amen. But anyway, it's a privilege to be here. And I thank uh, Brother Jeremiah for allowing me to come. And I've got a message. I told Brother Jeremiah, I said, um, it's funny calling him Brother Jeremiah, but I told <laughs> I told him, I said, well, son, uh, he told me what night he wanted me to preach. And obviously right ahead of Thanksgiving, I appreciate Brother John's message on Thanksgiving. And, you know, preachers kind of, they want to they preach what God wants them to preach or ought to. And I certainly do because I don't want to be up here by myself. And um, so the Lord gave me a message uh, for tonight a couple of weeks ago. kind of gave me a title. And I, he blessed me over the last week or so to, to chisel out a little bit uh, of what he so. What I preach tonight, I'm going to do my best to preach what God wants. And I've been asking about a dozen times, Lord, uh, just send your spirit. I want to be a blessing. So now, if you want to go and open up your Bibles and turn to Romans, it may sound like an odd passage of Scripture for Thanksgiving, but uh, turn to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And we're looking forward to the kids coming back to camp. And I've, had, I've tried to figure out, Brother John, it has been about 15 years, I think, since y'all started coming to uh, camp from over in Baton Rouge. And uh, he's right about the food. It's really good. And if you ever get a chance to come up and visit, come up. And we hope to see some of y'all up there uh, cleaning up and doing some stuff like that. We've already had some come up. Romans chapter 3, and then I'll let you stand just for a moment. Romans chapter 3, when you find that. And not going to read a lot of verses. Romans chapter 3, and then we'll pray. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to preach. And Lord, I just thank you for my salvation in Christ Jesus and for my family and for this church. And uh, God, just for your goodness. And we are so undeserving. I pray, God, that you would help me to be a blessing. Help me to honor your name and, and everything I say. 
And God, I just pray for the Holy Spirit, God, that you would direct me um, to be a blessing. We thank you and we ask it in his name. Amen. You can be seated. I stand before you tonight a representation of the worth of a man. The passage we just read says there's none righteous, there's none that understandeth, there's none that seeketh after God. They were all gone out of the way, and together we become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. These verses depict me and you and every man of all ages since Adam. Now turn over your Bibles to chapter 5, in the same chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. I'm glad God didn't leave us there, amen? (laughs) Chapter 5. And look down, if you would, to verse 8. And the Bible says, But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The Bible says there that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you'll think with me for a minute... In the very act of sin, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get to thinking pretty good about myself and I get lifted up about things and and get to thinking I'm pretty good at something. But uh, the Bible says that there's none good, no, not one. And, And it tells us here why we can be saved because of what God did. In the very act of committing sin, Jesus came and he died for you and I. Well, that's something to be thankful for, isn't it? It's everything to be thankful for. I was given an illustration many years ago, actually it was in 1995, Brother James Crumpton from Westside Baptist Church, um, Maranatha, uh, the Maranatha Haven. We had, uh, I'd called Brother Crumpton. We'd been on a mission trip in 1993, uh, 94, I'm sorry, went to Old Mexico, took some teenagers, and our family went down there. And uh, each year, pastor and we'd try to take a mission trip. We switched over to the camp later, and we started taking trips from the camp, selecting teenagers, and Long story short, when I called Brother Crumpton on the phone, I said, Brother Crumpton, I'm looking for a missionary that could use some help, maybe do some, uh, uh, some Bible clubs, maybe do some work around uh, the building, stuff like that. And he says, and, and if, you, if you ever knew Brother Crumpton, some of you older folks here, Brother Crumpton said, hey, I know exactly where you need to come. You need to come right here. Well, that kind of blew it out of the water because I was planning up to the church like we did the year before that we was going to go someplace away from here, you know, long trip. We done raised $3,500. And he says... I want you to come right here and cut grass for a week and clean out the haven. So my family and myself, Brother Jeremiah, I think was about 15 at the time, and our teenagers from our church and some of our adults from our church, we packed up and we went and we stayed a week there at the haven and we cut grass and uh, the ladies cleaned up inside, actually got ready for smite. I never met Brother Jerry Patel. And um, until then, but, but here's my illustration. Brother Crumpton, he was in the caliber of Brother C.R. Williams. To me, they're like patriarchs. They're gone, but um, they're still speaking and still encouraging. And he gave me this illustration about what we're going to preach about here tonight. 
He said there was this man that had a daughter, lovely young lady, not married yet, about to finish high school, and she was kidnapped, abused, and murdered. They caught the man and they put him on trial and sentenced him to death. And the father of that young lady was given an opportunity to speak before the judge. And as he went before the judge, he pleaded on behalf of the murderer. And he told the judge, Judge, I have a son. My son's a good boy. I want to ask you if you'll let my son be executed in the place of that murderer and let him go free. Now, when he gave me that illustration, I'm like, you're looking now. I was just struck. And he told me it was an illustration. And the great soul winner that he was, it made the point of what Jesus did for us. We're the murderer, and Jesus is the son. Thankfulness, as we look towards Thursday, Thanksgiving, and we enjoyed the food and, and a lot of things I could say about it, but I want to keep my time right. Thankfulness is the realization of our unworthiness before God. I think that's one of the most precious things that any saved person can be is thankful and have a thankful heart. I could give you illustrations of people that I met that just over the years that just blew me over with their humility and their thankfulness. I mean, just, just made me feel so strange because they were so thankful. I'm one of those that God's still working on me. And uh, I hope I live long enough to be a little bit, about what, little bit of something about what God wants me to be. But we're the murderer, and Jesus took our place. And I would like for you to think about that over the next few minutes. We're born with a death sentence. We deserve hell. And Jesus took our place. There was a man in our church many years ago. I bumped into him uh, a couple of years ago at a funeral, and he sang at, at a funeral of a friend of ours. You know, sometimes you can listen to a song and you hear the lyrics and you don't quite get the message until later on down the road. And that's kind of how I am with some of these. And as he sang this song, there was one line in there. And it goes like this. And you can probably tell me the song, but I can't tell you the song. But I can give you this one line. And he said, look what I traded for a mansion. Look what I traded for a mansion. A center that deserves hell, like the murderer. And Jesus came and took my place. I want to preach tonight, and you've got to kind of get this subject here. I, I struggle with this a little bit to try to make it understandable for everybody. I want to preach tonight on the attributes and liberty of a thankful heart. It's not complicated, and you'll find as we get into it, it's got some, some, uh, got some preaching in it. <laughs> It's got a challenge in it. And I think we need to be challenged today. And I think the greatest part of us to be challenged is that thankful heart. Amen? Amen. 
just like that oven, ladies. You know, you just preset it, you know, for 350, and you hear that bing go off. It's time to put the batter in there, and it's ready. So I want to preach on the attributes and liberty of a thankful heart. It's, double, it's, it's double-edged, kind of a double subject. And uh, liberty, by the way, that the Bible talks about is our freedom from prosecution and dominion of sin. I'll repeat that one more time. Attributes and liberty of a thankful heart. Liberty is freedom from prosecution and dominion of sin. Isn't it wonderful? When we get saved, we've been free from the prosecution of our sin because of what Jesus did. But then we also have freedom from the dominion of sin. Amen? Isn't that, I mean, that's, isn't that wonderful that we can live here and that, we can, that we've, we've got that freedom? So that's what I want to preach about just a little bit here, here tonight. And again, I've asked the Lord to help us and, and um, we really need this. And this will just help us to see what a thankful heart is. Amen. Anybody ever resist being thankful? I do. I got so many emotions and, and you know, you can look at me the wrong way. And I said, you know, I'd be looking at you like that. And, and are you, some of you may be like that too. So let's go ahead and jump into it. A thankful heart disarms the flesh and the devil. A thankful heart disarms the flesh and the devil. Now, I'm speaking about, of course, the new man that's inside of us. Amen? Born again by way of the Holy Spirit, that thankful heart disarms the flesh and the devil. You ever just stop and think about how many deadly weapons we walk around with every day? Going to have to help me a little bit. You ever think about how many deadly weapons we walk around with every day in the flesh? I mean, my wife is always ready to drop down on me. <laughs> Not really. She's sweet. Not really. She can be mean too. Amen. She's, <laughs> she's like some of you, uh, like some of you folks, uh, some of you ladies. We had a lady in our, our uh, she was the wife of the uh, uh, associate pastor for years there at Santee Baptist Church. And they had this handy payroll down here. Some of y'all probably remember down the shopping center across from where the uh, Old Beverly Drive-In was. And uh, somebody came in there to rob her one day, and, and uh, she didn't know any better but just to get that big old gun out and just start shooting all through the windows and around through the gas station. So as we think about this tonight, how many deadly weapons we walk around with every day because of the flesh? And God gives us that thankful heart is what empowers, listen, that new man inside of us that gives us the wherewithal, if you will, that being thankful, and, and, and I hope this, this comes out through the, through the message here tonight, that being thankful of what God did for us, that we deserve nothing, but God basically gave us everything. But think about the flip side of that. As you look around and see how many marriages are breaking up, how many kids are going bad, how many kids you got plans for until they get out of high school and they get the wrong associations and, and then everything in the world. I'm just saying, you ever think about how many deadly weapons we walk around with every day? Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We'll park there. I never saw that clock. Brother Jeremiah said it was a clock. I see it now. Amen. That'll be helpful. <laughs> helpful for you. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. 
Now, we're talking about deadly weapons that we walk around with every day. That God has given us power through the new man, through a thankful heart, that, that we can rule over. But you know what we've got to do? We've got to be aware of these things, right? You drive down through parts of Hattiesburg, and we, we go about uh, 45 miles uh, every time we come to service, and you find out where those bad places are on the road, right? Them big potholes, you know, where you want to knock your car out of line. Well, here as we look at this, some of these deadly weapons, I want to go through them, and we won't go through every one of them, but this is what God has put on my heart to share with you tonight. The thankful heart disarms the flesh and the devil, and these deadly weapons, we're going to take a few minutes and look at of Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. I'll read verse 19 through verse 21. You follow. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's stay on the page here. I'm showing you some deadly weapons that we walk around with every day. Now, folks, listen. Again, we talk about a lot of bad things. This is, we're looking at Thanksgiving here in a couple of days. That thankful heart, listen, that, that, that part of us that humbled ourselves as a little child and received Jesus Christ as our Savior, that new man inside of us, we've got to be aware of these deadly weapons that are there in the flesh. Because they will not only ruin a life, they'll ruin a marriage. And they make things really bad. So tonight as we look at these, I'm going to give you just a few of these. In Hebrews 13, 4, in verse 19, it talks about the works of the flesh are manifest, they're revealed, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. Can I share with you tonight, Hebrews 13.4 is the bottom line in marriage. The Bible says, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but the whoremonger and the adulterer God will judge. Can I share with you tonight that that verse is the bottom line from the cradle to the marriage altar, from the marriage altar till death do us part. Hebrews 13, 4. Mom and dad needs to get a picture of Hebrews 13, 4. When your children come into this world in that cradle and you begin to teach them and you begin to show them and you begin to prepare them that God's plan for marriage is right there. Amen? I love that. I want one simple verse from cradle to marriage altar till, from marriage altar till death do us part. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 4, says they think it's strange... When you run not to the same excess of riot. In other words, when you get saved and get born again, and you got some new rules to go by, amen? I mean empowering rules, rules of God. The world thinks it's strange, but heaven thinks it's great. Amen? God will keep your marriage together. God will bless your kids, but there's got to be a road map, amen? And you don't let the television... And the internet and all these other things raise your kids from here all the way up. And, and can I tell you this? I am not trying to beat anybody up. 
I'm saying this is why I'm thankful. Amen? I'm fixed to be married for 46 years. By the way, if, uh, if you hear of an untimely death in my family, mainly me, my insurance policy caps out at age 65. So uh, if my wife's ever going to do me in, it says she's going to do it pretty quick. All of these things, these deadly weapons that we walk around with. Now, folks, can I tell you, I'm not going to apologize for what I'm preaching. I won't want to be arrogant, but I want to tell you, we need this. We need this. We, we need to, the house of God. Listen, the house of God ought to have families in it that the world can look at and say, hey, hey, I want that. Amen. Amen. I want a marriage like that. I went to the 50th year wedding anniversary of one of the deacons in the church that ordained me when I was, was a deacon. He was one of the active deacons at the time. And uh, I went to their 50th wedding anniversary and I went to their 60th wedding anniversary. <laughs> and they stayed together until they died. Look at um, a thankful heart highlights the creator instead of the creature. A thankful heart highlights the creator instead of the creature, and the creature being the flesh. I would say, I wouldn't say this just to the ladies, but I say it to the ladies and to the men. Adorn yourself in an unarmed, unarmed manner. Amen? I like to look where I'm walking when I'm walking, but oftentimes I have to look at the... I have to either look up or look down. <laughs> and I don't mean that to be smart. I'm just saying uh, a thankful heart will highlight the Creator because of what He did for us, right? Born again, going to heaven, don't deserve it. We are the murderer, and Jesus is the Son. And I'm saying a thankful heart will highlight the Creator instead of the creature. We had, uh, we had some teenagers. We had a lot of neat teenagers back when... Uh, I was a youth pastor for a short period of time in my home church. Then I started pastoring, and we had uh, uh, the camps. We, we've been doing camps since 1993, and we'd always have kids saved in the summertime at the camps. Everyone was down in Okotomba before we built the place there at Carson. And I remember we had, um, they had a uh, uh, parade there in seminary. I don't know if it was Founders Day Parade or what they call it, you know, when they'd have some, some uh, dignitary come in. I think McCraney was there a couple of times. And, and so we went to the parade. The first time we went to the parade, and they had a float going down through seminary, you know, all these floats and stuff. And I looked up, and they had, uh, they had some of this uh, uh, hoppy-poppy music going on. And I saw, I don't you call it. Um, anyway, and I saw one of my teenagers up there on the float in a big old pair of cowboy boots and tight blue jeans on. And boy, I mean, they were, you know, how that music. Barbara Walters asked Michael Jackson, why do you make all those lewd movements? He said, the music makes me do it. Listen to that, Mom and Dad. The music makes me do it. And there she was as I saw her on that float. And I wasn't condemning her, but I was shocked. And boy, but I got to tell you, she was more shocked than I was when she saw me. <laughs> her pastor there on the side. And I'm saying a thankful heart highlights the creator instead of the creature. And I actually, when I first started teaching that phrase was there in the teenage class there at that church and seminary. Adorn ourselves in our unarmed manner. I'm talking about you guys too. There was a time when I thought I was cool, brother. 17, 18. Unbutton the shirt a little bit. Come on, fellas. 
roll up the sleeves so you can see my arms. My wife still thinks I'm cool, amen? She don't have a choice. <laughs> but we, listen, we, listen we, ought to look, we ought to look in that mirror. If you look in it very much, I get depressed when I look too much. You know, it, it's, uh, the hair's gone, and, and the only hair i got to trim now is what's over my ears, what comes out the nose, and what grows out the ears. <laughs> so, a thankful heart highlights the creator instead of the creature. The flesh says, look at me. A thankful heart says, look at God. Amen? I told somebody in Sunday school class the other day, I said, I have left this church, and we appreciate the welcome into the church. We've been here, uh, I guess, about four and a half months. Um, the flesh says, look at me. A thankful heart says, look at God. I told the class, I said, you know, I've left church before here. You know, just, I mean, nobody knew anything was going on. And... And as I would leave, my heart would be stirred the wrong way. I didn't like what God was doing in my heart. You say, you're a preacher? I'm a preacher. But why not be honest with somebody It may help here someday? Maybe somewhere right now. Things that are crossways in my heart. And, and, my, and, and I wanted to direct that uh, animosity towards a person. But you know what the Holy Spirit of God said inside of me? Direct it towards yourself. That was, the, that was the part that stirred me the wrong way. So I'm saying here tonight, a thankful heart will highlight the creator instead of the creature. The flesh says, look at me. A thankful heart says, look at God. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. Can't catch all of these, but I'm talking about deadly weapons. I'm talking about something here that will ruin your life, that will break up your marriage, that will put you in that group today. My wife was reading something uh, out of the newspaper. We don't get news on the TV, and uh, we get it on the radio. If you go down the road sometime, we get it in the newspaper. And the newspapers, man, you don't even get one a day anymore. And uh, much of what's in there is not worth reading. And, and they're talking about uh, how much of the population is needing more and more counseling and medication. I don't have a problem. I'm not your doctor. Um, I take an aspirin a day, a little bitty baby aspirin at the advice of the doctor, and I take three little supplement pills, you know, something that's supposed to make you remember better and make you smarter, and, you know. <laughs> no, it's just real stuff like that. But they're talking about how people can't cope. And they can't cope, even Christians today, because of these deadly weapons. Verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft. Stop there just for a minute. Idolatry and witchcraft. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 2, he says, You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. A little statue, something like this bottle of water that, that people would, you know, they'd coat it with gold or silver or something, and they'd bow down and they'd worship that and they would pray to that. He says, You're carried about, led about by these dumb idols. Can I share with you that idols are not dumb anymore? What people hold dear to them. They're interactive, they're high-tech, and they're super addictive. So what we have to figure out is what's messing up God's plan in us? 
What's keeping us from having that thankful heart, that power of the new man inside of us that God says sin should no longer have dominion over us? What's keeping us from crucifying the flesh? It's the flesh. And this thing of idols today, I don't think there's ever been more idols than there is today. I mean, I have to be careful myself. I love television. That's why I don't have a TV that gets waves, you know, through the sky. I don't have one. I mean, I like to work and I like to produce and I can't sit around the house all the time, but night would come on and I'd turn that thing on as a young man and, and, and uh, uh, I, can't ha- I, don't, I, I wouldn't want one anyway by what's coming over it. We get in the hospitals, the doctor's office, you see some of this stuff. Idols and these things that we're talking about, they become a mistress between us and God. They become the other woman. That's what idolatry is. Those are deadly weapons, deadly weapons of the flesh. Look down to verse 20. Hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. Those are just simple feelings of the flesh, not of the spirit, not of a thankful heart, but of the flesh. I don't know about you, but you ever been through a trial? You ever had a tough, anybody ever had a tough time in here? You ever not had enough money to pay all the bills, but you work hard? You ever have something just blow up in your face and you're, you're coming to church regular and you, what happened? I mean, you ever try to fix a situation and it's a situation that you took the right stand on the best you know biblically and it still blew up in your face? Those are trials, sometimes persecutions. Certainly they include temptations. These feelings of the flesh, if you will, these deadly weapons that we walk around with, even conviction of the Holy Spirit can bring strife in our heart. I got a test patient that I get all this stuff from. It's a guy I look at in the mirror. I can sit and look at you and try to figure out your story. But God does not give me that permission. God tells me to love you like I love myself. Sometimes we're not very lovable. Flesh feelings get in. Those deadly weapons come out. Amen? You hear that? I know you, you probably hear these stories all the time about marriages and unfaithfulness and just all this stuff. A thankful heart, listen, a thankful heart, that new man inside of us, God has given power through our salvation to overcome these deadly weapons. We're not perfect. When's the last time you asked somebody, had to ask somebody to forgive you? I don't like asking, but you sure like for them to say yes when you ask, right? You know we're bound biblically to forgive. Don't you find it interesting that Peter asked that question how many times? And boy, how do you like the Lord's answer? Seven times? No. 
Seven times 70. Feelings of the flesh. Verse 21. Envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. Similar scripture over in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 3 says, Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Sorry to throw you this smorgasbord tonight. I want to know what's going to hurt me. I've lived most of my life. I could die tomorrow and nobody would be surprised. But I still have an influence to my wife and my three children and my ten grandchildren, my peers, the kids at camp, and so forth and so on. But some of you hadn't even lived half of your life yet. Some of you teenagers are not married yet. Well, duh. Some of you teenagers. And then you younger kids. Don't you want to know what's going to do you in? Amen. Amen. And, 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 and mom and dad, don't you want to what to pray about at family altar? Amen. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Habakkuk 2.15, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him. It's hard to cover a bunch of these deadly weapons, but trying to hit a few of them. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging. Right now God feels about drugs. I've seen drunks as a kid. I've seen kids battered by parents when they were drunk. I know a man that was killed by a drunk driver. The drunk had to go to the hospital but got out. I stopped at a store in Summerall. We were coming back from Hattiesburg the other day. and Actually, I, was, I guess it was uh, maybe Sunday. No, it was Monday. And I stopped at a little store there in Summerall to get gas. I didn't, get, didn't wind up getting any gas. The pumps, you know how these computers are, went out. And, man, I'm on empty. I need gas. I got another 20 miles to go to the house. And I'm looking up there at the counter before I get to the cash register. And they got this big glass case over here. And, I'm, and I've seen some of this stuff before. And I'm looking at this. And it's got those things that you smoke that's, that you don't like. You know, there's the vape. Vape. I don't even like the word, right? <laughs> they, they had all that stuff in there. And then they had, I mean, just about any type of illegal drug that you could buy to pep you up, to make you feel better, to, to, to solve the woes. And I guess people are buying it hand over foot because this guy, this store's been out of business two or three times and I've never seen that stuff in there. And, and, and people must be buying it like hotcakes. A bunch of that stuff's just a precursor for something else. And the drunks I knew when I was a kid and the drunks that I knew when I was a young man, the next day they had a bad hangover. They were apologetic about what they did, but they were sober the next morning and they went to work. I'm not lifting up the drunk, okay? The old evangelist used to preach on alcohol and saloons used to close. Somebody say amen. I mean, 
These guys are dead now. The Brother Williams, the Brother Cromptons, the Billy Sundays, and all of those. And as I read about these guys, saloons actually closed. Drunkenness. Revelings. Parties. I was a young adult once. I'm glad I was shy. <laughs> um, didn't really go to parties. Went to some Bible studies. And uh, went to some parties for the company I worked for. Stuff like that. But you young adults out there and you teenagers. Revelings. Partying. Being around something you should not be around. The influence of it. My opinion is if you go to something like that, you're no longer an innocent bystander. You're sanctioning what your buddy's doing. And if you're not careful, you'll be in the vehicle with them doing it yourself on the way home. These deadly weapons that the Bible tells us about, and and I know there's a bunch of them grouped here, and and I don't want to leave you hanging uh, with just that tonight. But Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. Could you imagine inviting the devil home to dinner? Neither give place to the devil. All of those deadly weapons. And you can go through the New Testament, you can go through the epistles, especially Paul's, and you can go down and you can outline a whole lot of things that are of the flesh that we all need to guard against. Not just folks raising kids, not just the teenagers. And we need to pass it on. So we can have that clean, pure, thankful heart. You know, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, you would be embarrassed to, and I don't usually mention racy stuff, but when I was a teenager, even the culture then, going to school in the, started high school in the late 60s, that you'd be embarrassed to share with anyone that, that you were waiting until marriage. I can imagine how it is today with teenagers and the peer pressure and young adults. Let's get past that one, okay? A thankful heart prepares us for service. Aren't you glad? A thankful heart prepares us for service. Paul in Acts 9, 6 says, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will they have me to do? He just got saved. He had just got saved. Boy, he was so thankful. Boy, he had it wrong. Didn't he have it wrong? Boy, did he have it wrong. And it took what it took for him to get saved because God really wanted to use him and God did use him. Lord, what will thou have me to do? He was so thankful. Could you imagine being blind for for three days? Not eating anything, don't know what in the world all that happened and, and, and having to depend on somebody to guide you about. What, and he did everything the Lord wanted him to do. I'm saying a thankful heart prepares us for service. I heard a message years ago 
I used to love listening to Jack House uh, in my home church. Somebody gave me one of his tapes and about burn it out. And, and you know, we, we all have the tendency sometimes to get over negative and do things that people don't like. But he really helped open my heart to a lot of things. Through that one little tape, I, I played and I played and I played and played until it wouldn't play no more. And he preached a message one time and he talked about when you get saved. And he gave the illustration that there was this big, huge apartment complex on fire, big, massive complex like they have in Chicago. And the firemen got there on the scene and they were going in, putting their lives in peril to rescue people and bring them out and save their lives. And he tells about he brought this one man out and got him down and got some oxygen on him, got him resuscitated. And got into breathing. And he was so thankful. And he says, how can I help? He said, come back in with us and let's bring some more out. Isn't that what it's really like? I'm so glad I'm not going to hell. I'm so glad I understand I deserve it many times over. A thankful heart prepares us for service. And I'm going to give you one more. A thankful heart produces love and humility. Isn't it amazing when people get saved, the same thing happens. But people are different, right? I had this guy get saved one time and uh, my wife could could vouch for this and we looked up outside the church house it was when we was having church in the camp dining hall and and I look up the road and it's just about church time and, and here comes a big old guy and his wife and I mean this guy was probably six foot six and his wife uh, she wasn't that tall but she was just about that big the other way um, and anyway I mean this guy was a big guy and we'd been picking up the two kids on our van our church van bringing them and one of them was a bigger kid about like that and you know st still had diapers on and we would bring them to church and my wife had took them a basket you know when they came in the community and we'd visit them a few times and nothing ever happened and we looked up and and there he come down that dirt road coming into the camp him and his wife we already had the kids there and boy by the time he got there boy there was sweat all over his brow and the back of his shirt had sweat on it you know and his shirt sticking to his back and that big old man and his wife come in there and they Hey, hey, preacher. Thought we'd come to church today. That's how he was. He was a truck driver. Had a rattlesnake inside an aquarium inside of his house. Strange. <laughs> hey, if you got a snake inside your house in an aquarium, you're strange. <laughs> Amen. I think even heaven thinks you're strange. Anyway, the, at service, nothing happened. I said, listen, you want me to take you home? I'll take you and your wife home. Are we going to take the kids home? The man is, no, preacher, we need to exercise. <laughs> and they did. Well, I said, well, that's the last I guess we'll see of them. You know, nothing happened, you know, and I, I guess it kind of fell flat for them. And about church time that night, looked up 6 o'clock service, you know, in the summertime, and it's still daylight, and looked up, and here they come back down the road. They'd walk five-eighths of a mile to get there. 
And then once they got to the camp, then they had to walk about a, several hundred yards to get to where the dining hall was. They come in and sit down. We have church. And that night, both of them got saved. I mean, I am a low-key guy on the outside. I could run laps standing still. I st- when I think about it now, I could, I, could just, I could just sit here and run laps standing still, but y'all would tell my son on me, <laughs> and I wouldn't ever get an opportunity to get up here again. Boy, he got up there and made a fool of himself, Brother Jeremiah. I was so excited. Well, let me tell you about that guy. He couldn't do enough. If we had something going on, he was doing it. He worked at the camp. And uh, he, was, he was lowly. He had a lost son. He had troubled kids. And he would, he'd come down the altar and he would pray for his kids. He'd want me to go see his kids. And he would apologize because of his life and because of the example it was that is not what it should have been to his kids. I'm saying a thankful heart built love in that man for all his neighbors and bought humility in his life. Now, I don't know about you tonight, but uh, we can't get enough of it. Really. And I'm saying to you tonight, that thankful heart, that born-again person inside of us, that thankful heart, this time of year, Thanksgiving, The greatest thing that ever happened to me is when I got saved. Man. I'd like to go I'd like to go back and spend a few minutes there. And all of these things, as we're thinking about the attributes and the liberty, that freedom from sin. Isn't it wonderful you can say no to your feelings? But you know what a blessing it is? And, and I'll close down to kind of where I started. What a blessing it is. You know, do you know anything tonight that you know now that you wish somebody had told you a long time ago? You think your kids might say something like that one day? Well, let's don't let it be about their relationship to the Lord in this holy Bible that God gave us. Amen? Amen. Let's, share, let's let them know that we love them. Amen? But let's let them know that God loves them more than we love them. Yes. And God's wonderful plan. And boy, when they do get saved, let's put that in there. Amen? Let's give them a plan from cradle to marriage altar. My wife and I, we call it that white picket fence story. There's some books back there in the bookstore that we've been giving them out for years. It's called Stay in the Castle. Stay in the Castle. Give them that plan. Don't hound them, but talk to them about these deadly weapons that are there that they can't handle. Moms, keep a baby doll in their hand as long as you can. 
If they get peer pressure that that's square, that's the wrong kind of friends to have. Amen? Put that plan in there. Train up your boys the same way. And I'm saying tonight that thankful heart, that thankful heart, that heart of the new man, God will give us all that we need. We will grow, but we'll also have power. How many tonight could say this? Put yourself in Jesus' place. You're on the way to the cross. And because he had humanity in him, he'd be like you and I. Boy, I'm dreading this. Boy, I'm dreading this. And he prayed to God. And he said, if it be thy will, let this pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What an humble man. What an humble man. What love. And he directed it all back to the Father. He's our example. And God's plan for everyone here tonight that's born again is for that Christ to be formed in us. And I want to tell you that mechanism of a thankful heart. Man, I wish somebody had told me some of this stuff right when I got saved. Every head bowed and eye closed. Father, we just thank you so much for your wonderful love and mercy. And 